if you're new to this whole world of baby led weaning and starting solid foods, you might still be on the fence as to whether this approach is going to work for you. And if that's the case, I want to send you my free feeding guide called Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby? This is a guide that contains a decision tree map that you can work your way through to determine if this is the right approach for you guys and then when it's time to start. Grab your copy of Will Baby Led Weaning Work for My Baby on my website at babyledweaning.co slash resources. I was doing my breakfast dishes this morning, turned the garbage disposal on, and then heard that terrible noise when you know something is in the disposal, but like you can totally tell the damage has already been done. Sure enough, it was an easy peasy tiny spoon, totally shredded, which if I've learned anything about these baby lead weaning spoons from Easy Peasy is that the garbage disposal and the dog both love them. And I was bummed because it's one of my favorite colors that they make, the light gray line, which is called pewter. But my garbage disposal disaster, I guess it came at just the right time because Easy Peasy is having their annual Mother's Day sale from this Friday to Sunday, so May 10th to 12th. You can get 20% off all of the Easy Peasy feeding gear with the affiliate discount code BLWMOM on orders of $50 or more. So this is a great time to stock up at 20% off because my regular Easy Peasy code is usually only for 10% off. So this bump up to 20% off is nice, but it's just for three days. So head to easypeasyfun.com to grab tiny spoons, their tiny cups, and the best suction mats and bowls for baby lead weaning. They have a really cool new bundle maker on their website if you want to group or piece a few items together or If you just don't want to think about it, then just grab one of the Easy Peasy First Foods sets. It has everything you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods with baby led weaning. That code is BLWMOM for 20% off Easy Peasy orders of $50 or more now through Sunday, May 12th at easypeasyfun.com. And happy Mother's Day to you. Allergy testing is not that specific. And a positive allergy test in the absence of an actual reaction is not predictive of actual food allergy. So I don't know anybody who would get a positive test who then won't be afraid of that food. And then you'll be afraid to give that food to your infant. And then by not giving the food, paradoxically, you're trying to prevent them from having a reaction. You are increasing their risk that they will actually be allergic to the food. Hey there, I'm Katie Ferraro, registered dietitian, college nutrition professor, and mom of seven specializing in baby led weaning. Here on the Baby Led Weaning Made Easy podcast, I help you strip out all of the noise and nonsense about feeding, leaving you with the confidence and knowledge you need to give your baby a safe start to solid foods using baby led weaning. How are you feeling about the introduction of allergenic foods for your baby? Maybe you're aware there are nine foods that account for about 90% of food allergy. We call these the big nine allergenic foods. I recommend starting these foods early and often with your baby, but I also know that it can be a little anxiety inducing for parents. Like why would I feed my baby a food that could potentially cause an allergic reaction? And the truth is that the only thing you can do to lower your baby's risk of food allergy is to actually offer than these allergenic foods, because we have fairly good data to support this idea that early introduction of allergenic foods helps to lower the risk of food allergy. My guest today is Dr. Ron Sunog. He is a pediatrician who has a particular interest in using food to prevent food allergy. He's the author of the book, Eat the Eight. We also co-teach a course together called Eat the Eight and More. So we've got a lot of info in there about how to make allergenic foods for babies for the different ages and stages with recipes and why you want to feed them, the research that is or isn't there. If you're like super into nerding out about allergenic foods or want to check out 
this program to learn about how you can safely introduce your baby to allergenic foods, head to foodallergyclass.com. And in this episode, Dr. Sunog is going to be answering just some basic questions about food allergies. If this is all news to you and you didn't realize you need to be doing these foods early and often, he's going to be hitting kind of some of the high points of our teaching. And I love working with, I've taught with Dr. Sudog for three years now. I absolutely love his very down-to-earth approach. He knows his stuff about food allergies, and I hope you guys find the answers to these questions helpful as you start the process of introducing your own babies to the different allergenic foods. And if we can help you with further education, you can check out our program at foodallergyclass.com. Well, it's great to be back. Our world is pretty much the same as it's been in a funny way. We make progress in this world of teaching parents how to feed their kids, how to prevent food allergies. And um, at the same time, uh, we have a long way to go. Well, because all your colleagues are quitting. Tell them the statistic that you were telling me when we were chatting before we hit record about the pressure on the healthcare workers and primary care practitioners like yourself in particular. Yeah, so the pandemic, unfortunately, had a a lot of side effects that uh, we're all discovering with time. And one of them is uh, a lot of financial pressure on the healthcare system and a lot of uh, physical and emotional pressure uh, on healthcare people. 20% of all healthcare workers uh, have left the industry, and that includes doctors and nurses and administrative personnel uh, in the past few years. That's a lot of stress on the system. So Dr. Sunag, I love having you on the podcast because you're a pediatrician, you're a food first doctor. So you're all about using food to help reduce baby's risk of food allergy. And you have a particular interest in that area with regards to food allergy. In the intro, I was telling the audience about your book, Eat the Eight. I think it's a fabulous resource. I recommend it all the time for parents who are interested in learning about the science behind the recommendations of where we're at right now with starting solid food. So what I did was I asked my audience, on Instagram for their questions about food allergies to ask you. So we're just going to kind of do like a rapid fire Q&A for this episode. All right, first question. It seems like so many people around me are talking about food allergy and allergic reactions. How likely is it that my baby will or will not have a food allergy? Yeah, so I'll start by saying uh, it's interesting that, that moms are talking about this because the truth of the matter is people have been talking about this since the 1990s. And if you want to, we can get into the incorrect advice and how we got to the correct advice. But um, people are just more aware these days. And I think the easiest way to conceptualize it is about one in 13 children. So uh, a lot of people uh, frame that as, you know, two to three kids per typical classroom uh, will have food allergy. So uh, it's pretty clear why people would be thinking about it. Next question. I have food allergies. I'm allergic to tree nuts. How likely is my baby to be allergic and what can I do to reduce their risk? So the the answer is not that likely. And there's nothing different you need to do for your baby than anybody should do uh, for their baby to uh, help reduce the risk of developing a food allergy. Can we talk about this risk factor that like, yes, if you're if you have a first degree relative that has a food allergy, your baby's at slightly higher risk of having a food allergy, but that doesn't put them in the high risk category, right? That is correct. So the thing to remember, you know, it reminds me a little bit of uh, what we just talked about with COVID. We have problems just in a general sense. You have an intervention, 
as you know, people say, there is no free lunch. There's a cost to the intervention. So you always have to be judging the cost of doing some sort of intervention versus not doing it. Okay, you've got somebody with food allergy. Your choice with the baby is uh, give that food or avoid that food. And what's nice about that is those are really your only two choices there. And um, if you say, well, there's a slightly higher risk of the baby having the same allergy as a parent, uh, I'm going to avoid that food. Okay, if the baby doesn't eat the food, they can't react. But we also know that not giving infants these foods increases their risk of developing the allergy. So which risk is greater? And in most cases, the risk of avoiding the food increases the likelihood of developing food allergy more than the risk of giving the food. So you ought to give it. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by BetterHelp. If you've been thinking about giving therapy a try, BetterHelp is a great option. It's a convenient, flexible, affordable, and entirely online experience. All you do is just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can also switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. I used to think therapy was just for people who have experienced major trauma, but therapy can help you be at your best no matter what you're going through. So whether it's to learn new positive coping skills, set more realistic boundaries, or just show up as a better version of yourself, BetterHelp is here to help. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so that you can do more of it. If you want to live a more empowered life, therapy can help you get there and BetterHelp can help you. Visit betterhelp.com slash weaning today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp.com slash weaning and get 10% off your first month. And when... We talk about allergic reactions. One thing that I've learned from you and I think a nice kind of soundbite is the only way to know if your baby is going to react to a food is to offer them that food, right? Like you can ruminate over this till you are so anxious, but like until you actually offer the baby the food, you're not going to know if they're actually allergic, right? That is correct. And, and so that is part of the reason why, unless the risk is really high and there are specific situations and we know those situations and we can counsel parents about that. Unless the risk is really high, do not avoid the food. So which foods are most likely to cause allergic reactions? Okay, so we have, uh, you know, the list. My, my book is called Eat the Eight. It's now really nine. So since my book was published, sesame was added to the list. But in no particular order, uh, these foods include uh, milk, peanuts, tree nuts, uh, shellfish, fish, wheat, eggs, soy, and then again, sesame being the ninth. What percent of food allergies can be attributed to those nine foods, roughly? Oh, it's, uh, you know, over 90% would be attributed to those foods. So you can be allergic to other foods that aren't on the big nine list, but like we do those big nine foods early and often. Can you talk about the idea of early and often? Like parents will say exactly how many grams of this protein do I need? They get targeted ads all the time for these expensive supplement subscription model, this brand that you sprinkle stuff in your food and they say it has this X amount of grams in it. Do the researchers really know how much of these allergens we need to offer babies? 
So it's very hard to say an exact amount. Studies have to use an exact amount. And once uh, you know a study shows that a particular amount works, uh, we can only safely say that amount. Could less work? Yes. Could a minuscule amount work? Uh, expert opinion on that would be almost definitely not. So any product that has tiny microgram amounts of a large number of potential food allergens is almost certainly not going to work. And most certainly there is no proof of that. In terms of early and often, uh, we know that early is good. It has to be, we think, before 11 months. And, you know, I tell people uh, the same uh, kind of advice with immunization. They say, can I put that off for a month? And I say, sure, you can. You're just not protected against the disease until you have that vaccine. So you can put it off for a month. So can you wait a little longer with some foods? Sure. But, you know, the sooner you eat them, the sooner the protective effect begins to take place. And then in terms of the amount, it's generally, let's call it real food amounts. And if you use that basic concept, it makes sense and ought to work. And for our listeners who might be interested in this idea of the protective window closing around the 11-month mark, if you go back to episode 227, we had Dr. David Stukas on who was talking about when does the food allergy prevention window close. Um, he is one of the leading experts in pediatric food allergy in the United States, and he did a great job of kind of explaining the research around that. So takeaway message, try to get all of those allergenic foods in by 11 months of age. Agreed, 100%. How do I know if my baby is having an allergic reaction? Okay, so again, you know, you do a better job of explaining the approach to starting food than anybody. And um, so you give the baby the food and you want it to be, you know, one new food per day. And then you want to observe them for a while. And of course, you want them, you know, to be seated properly and uh, supervision. And you make sure you have all those things in place. And then if you're with the baby uh, observing, and, and that doesn't mean under a microscope, that just means being with your baby for the next couple hours, the chance of reaction beyond the first couple hours is pretty low. So you're watching for the next couple hours, allergic reactions, there's a wide variety, and they can include rash, uh, vomiting, difficulty breathing, just getting very irritable. So you know your baby, you observe your baby. If you see something happening, then you need to pay close attention to that. If they seem truly sick in a way that would forget the food, forget allergy, that would make you either call your doctor or go to an emergency room, do so. And then the toughest part of all that is the rash, uh, because babies, when they eat, sometimes get rashes that are not actually food allergy. And the simplest thing I could say about that is you want really to see hives. If it's not hives, it's almost definitely not an allergic reaction. If it doesn't seem like an emergency, take a photo. That will help when you later ask your doctor, you know, I, I think my child may have had an allergic reaction. What do you think? What about for parents who have some new food that they're trying and the baby gets, let's say, like a contact or a rash, just like something right around their face, it interacts with the drool, maybe the baby's teething, but then it goes away on its own. Is that a food allergy reaction? Uh, so almost definitely not. Uh, again, especially if it's right around the mouth and some foods can be irritating to the skin and, and cause a little redness. If it's not hives and there are no other signs of allergic reaction, 
you can feel pretty comfortable that is not an allergic reaction to the food. It's just a skin reaction. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Besides baby led weaning, what other type of podcasts do you like to listen to? Well, if you're into true crime and you also dig traveling, I want to tell you about a new podcast you are going to love. The new podcast is called Slaycation, and it's a darkly humorous look at murders and mysterious deaths that all take place on vacation. So the show is hosted by a true crime fanatic and her comedy writer husband, and he has a TV producing partner. So Slaycation brings a totally unique perspective to chilling, thrilling, what the heck stories of vacations gone horribly wrong from the twisted tale of Harold and Tony Henthorne, whose romantic anniversary in the Rocky Mountains ended with one of them falling off a cliff, to Angelica and Vincent, their two recently engaged lovebirds, whose Hudson Valley kayaking adventure ended up underwater. Every episode of Slaycation will have you asking, accident or murder? But it's not just the stories that will intrigue you. I think you're going to love the discussion between the longtime married couple and the business partners. They also happen to be an Emmy-nominated TV producer's Every episode of Slaycation also includes humor and takeaway and travel tips that are going to keep your next family vacation from becoming your last. So if you're ready to pack your body bags, Slaycation is available on all major podcast platforms. Search for Slaycation on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. I think a helpful piece of advice that I've learned from you and other food allergy experts that if your baby is going to have an allergic reaction to food, it is going to occur within minutes and up to no more than two hours following ingestion. That pertains to the vast majority of food allergy reactions. There is one incidence um, with allergic proctocolitis where there would be delayed vomiting. And we actually had Marion Groach on to talk about this idea of food intolerance and food protein induced allergic proctocolitis she came on to talk about like the very, very, very small instance where your baby might have a reaction more than two hours following ingestion. So when doctors say things or people say things like wait three to five days between foods and they say it's to observe for an allergic reaction, that's not actually how it occurs. So it's kind of feeding back in this message of we don't need to wait three to five days between foods. Would you agree with that, Dr. Sunog? Yes, that's completely true. A day is uh, very cautious. If you're doing one new food a day, you're absolutely safe. There won't be confusion or even more than one new food a day. If they're one of the low-risk foods, they're not going to cause an allergic reaction. In real life, babies learn how to eat multiple new foods on the same day sometimes, and it's not the end of the world. Yeah, that's absolutely true. Uh, I suppose the only thing I would say about that is I wouldn't necessarily give them simultaneously, but that's absolutely true. Exactly, and I also never do two allergenic foods on the same day. I mean, there's no reason to, but sometimes you introduce two new low-risk foods together, and you know the likelihood of them having an allergic reaction, that is very, very low. The next question I'm worried my baby's going to have an allergic reaction. Can I get tested for all of the food allergies before I start that food? Well, fortunately, you probably can't. And I say that because you really don't want to. That's a big mistake. Allergy testing is not that specific. And a positive allergy test in the absence of an actual reaction is not predictive of actual food allergy. So I don't know anybody who would get a positive test who then won't be afraid of that food. And then you'll be afraid to give that food to your infant. And then by not giving the food, paradoxically, you're trying to prevent them from having a reaction. You are increasing their risk that they will actually be allergic to the food. So blanket testing is the problem. Specific testing for a specific reason 
is appropriate. I gave my baby eggs a few times with no problem. And then on the fourth time, she had a full-on allergic reaction with hives and swelling, and we had to go to the emergency room. How come this didn't happen the first few times my baby ate eggs? The answer is we don't really know, but we do know this happens. So it's um, possible to be exposed to a substance. Here we're talking about foods, but it's also true with medications, for example, where you've had exposure some number of times and you don't react. And then at some point you do. Uh, Sometimes the body just reacts that way. Uh, That is no reason to have fear of any food or medication. Uh, You should just know it can happen. So this is a question that I have. I was at lunch with a friend of mine who has a new baby. They're going to be starting the 100 First Foods approach. I'm going to be working with her. I'm basically going to make all the 100 foods for this friend, which I'm so excited about, but she's more excited that she doesn't have to make all the food. And we were talking about her older son, Ollie, because he had done 100 different foods. And the only reaction that he had was to eggplant. And so I had asked her because I remember him having a reaction to it. And she wasn't sure it was really an allergy. They retried it. And he did have like full body hives and like said he felt itchy. Can you be allergic to foods like eggplants kind of under the nightshade category? Or is that that's outside of the big nine foods? Is that are those allergies more common than maybe other, you know, non-allergenic fruits and vegetables? Yeah. So anything out of the big nine is really quite uncommon. Uh, I'll put it to you this way, and this is anecdotal, but you know, I have a 33 or so year career in pediatrics. And I've seen, I think, no children with food allergy other than to the big nine. Uh, So this is very unusual, but again- No confirmed food allergy. Every single one of your patients thinks they're allergic to something though, right? Right, that's right. And um, if, you know, if the question is, well, give me a list of foods one could potentially react to. That list is, you know, longer than your arm. And it's different depending upon where you are in the world. We have the list of the big whatever from different countries, and it's crazy. Some of them put everything on it. Some are shorter than ours. I mean, it's geographical as well. It, it absolutely is. So all we can say about that is uh, life's got risks. Some of them are rare. Uh, food allergy reactions to a lot of foods are rare, uh, but possible. Just be alert. Okay, I have to tell you, so now that we're sharing anecdotes, sorry. I have a friend who said she was allergic to poultry, and I was like, impossible. Like literally nobody's allergic to chicken or poultry. She's like, I definitely am. I know it. I'm like, what happened? She said, I immediately start vomiting. We went to a restaurant. She always says she's so hard to order with, but she's very careful because she doesn't want any poultry. Long story short, the vegetarian dish was accidentally made with chicken broth. She immediately started vomiting from having chicken broth. Like I saw it and I was like, ah, is that a food allergy or is that some sort of a weird intolerance? Yeah, I- I'm guessing it is an allergy. It's It's got to be one in a million or millions. Yeah, there are those outliers. Like she is the outlier, but I had to see it with my own eyes. And you guys, I wasn't telling her to her face that she was a liar about her poultry allergy. I was just like in my head, like, whoa, that's very unlikely. But I also have a friend who's actually allergic to bananas. Again, you probably know a million people and one or two of them have a super, super random allergy. Banana, it's like, almost all but unheard of that you're going to be allergic to that food. That is not a reason to not feed your baby banana. Correct. Another thing that I hear myself saying that I definitely learned from you is like you and I spend a lot of time looking at the research about food allergies. We teach a program together about how to introduce allergenic foods. It's called Eat the Eight and More. It also includes sesame in there since they added it in there as one of the newer allergenic foods. But parents being scared, I mean, rightly so. Anything that you feed your baby that could potentially kill them, you're scared about. But the reality is, if you look at the data, death from anaphylaxis from food in infancy is almost all but unheard of. We're not saying absolute zero, because I'm sure you could find a case study of a baby dying. But like, 
Is your baby going to die from eating a food that they're allergic to? Almost certainly not. Do you still stand by that, Dr. Sunak? A hundred percent. That's what the data shows. Uh, the information on that is strong. We, we know that. So it's very reassuring. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, but I'll be right back. Hi, friends. Are you looking for a storytime podcast with your littles? Something that has some great storytelling and maybe some conversation about it? Look no further. With Storytime with Philip and Mommy, my little guy Philip and I sit down every single day and read a story together. And we, of course, want you to join us. Grab your copy of the book, sit down, let's read it, and let's talk about it. We'll learn new words, we'll learn new ideas, and then we'll learn how we can use those stories in our lives. It's a lot of fun. Classics like Little Golden Books or Bernstein Bears, all the way up through the newest phenomenons like Bluey. We talk about them and we have a lot of laughs. It's a great time and we hope that you can come and join us. So please look for us and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Storytime with Philip and Mommy. Thanks so much. We'll see you there. Thank you so much for answering these questions. I know there's, there's tons more. You've been on the podcast numerous times at this point. I think you're the most frequent guest. One thing I actually just looked up, you were the first person I interviewed. Like we launched our podcast at the very beginning of the pandemic. So May, 2020, and I launched with 20 episodes and then had been batching and recording stuff. But you were the first one I recorded and we did a bonus episode on COVID. You were the first person, you were like, the person, not that introduced COVID to me, but like, hey, this is going to be a thing. And we did an episode, is it safe to introduce allergenic foods during COVID-19? And that is an episode that went live all three years ago at this point. So you have been on the podcast teaching about allergy stuff for three years. And I want to say thank you. I'm going to link to all the other episodes you've been in because they're just jam-packed with great info from a pediatrician who knows his stuff about food allergy, you guys. That'll all be in the description for this episode and on the show notes page. Dr. Sunog, where can our audience go to learn more about you and to support your work and to buy your book, which is a great resource? Uh, So my book is available on Amazon. I also have an Eat the Aid website. Uh, I'll admit I don't uh, really keep it up, but the information I have in there uh, is still all relevant. And you don't really have to keep it up because we talk about this all the time. The way you feed your baby peanuts safely hasn't changed and you got to do it early and often. So he's got some great info in there. And Dr. Sunog and I actually teach a full class about all of the big nine allergens and why we introduce them and what the research says about it and recipes for different ages and stages. If you guys want to check that out, that's at foodallergyclass.com. Dr. Sunog, thank you so much for coming on and sharing all of this great info and answering these questions about food allergies for us. My pleasure as always. Well, I hope you guys enjoyed that interview with Dr. Sunog. He's one of my favorite people to work with. He's so passionate about using food to help prevent food allergies. And I know that pediatricians have so much on their plate. I think it's really a unique area that he's kind of carved out in medicine as far as making this his passion. So again, his book is called Eat the Eight. It's a wonderful resource for both parents and pediatricians if you want to learn more about safe introduction. And if you like learning via video and you want recipes on how to make all the different allergenic foods safe for your baby at the different ages and stages of weaning, Dr. Sunog and I co-teach a program together called Eat the Eight and More. You can learn more about that at foodallergyclass.com. All of the resources, 
along with Dr. Sunog's other episodes, if you just want to like nerd out on all his food allergy stuff, they'll be linked up in the show notes page for this episode at blwpodcast.com forward slash 334. And I want to say a special thank you to our partners at Airwave Media. If you guys like podcasts that feature food and science and using your brain, check out some of the podcasts from Airwave Media. We're online at blwpodcast.com. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you next time. Bye.